0: Alrighty. I want to um, add my uh, congratulations to all of our graduates. So, so I'm so proud of each and every one of you and just uh, thrilled for this next chapter in your life. Uh, AJ, I want to know where you got those shoes, dude. I want a pair of those shiny shoes. You like you could just click your heels and go, there's no place like home, man, and he could be there. That's a awesome, awesome. But we are so proud, so proud of you. And uh, Olivia, just so so excited. Was so, what an honor for me to be able to be uh, in chapel Friday to hear you preach your senior sermon. And, girl, you are a great communicator. You did a really, really good job. And uh, we're just so thrilled. And Olivia is going to be going, uh, doing a a residency uh, program over at uh, Salem Church of God in Dayton, Ohio. And that's actually one of the churches that I work with on a regular basis. Um, I preach there usually three or four times a year, and do mentoring with the pastor and her staff. So I'll get to uh, check up on Olivia and uh, make sure that she. uh, keeps doing her job like she's supposed to, in which we have no doubt, no doubt that she will. Uh, And that kind of brings up something for me. I need to make you aware of something that's coming up here in just a few weeks. Uh, Most of you are aware that when I came to Chartel uh, almost 11 years ago, um, a part of when I came here, as I was doing a lot of coaching and working with other churches, um, it's a part of what I believe God has given to me as a part of what we would refer to as an an apostolic ministry, uh, an opportunity to work not just with a church, but with many churches. And Actually, when I came to Chartel, I had been consulting with Chartel uh, from Phoenix and helping them through their transitions when the Lord called me here. And so the board and the church embraced that, and so when I came, uh, a part of my contract with the church was being able to have uh, 10 Sundays, 10 weeks a year, to be able to be gone, to travel, speak, uh, coach, and do all these things with other churches as I had done before I came. And um, this year, I'm going to do something just a little bit different. Uh, How many of you um, have seen or received my daily devotional that I write? Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people do. Um, for the last few years, I've had a number of people who have uh, encouraged me to do some publishing with that, to try to pull some of that together and put it out into, into books that people can keep and all that. And um, it's just hard to do when you're trying to do everything else in addition to that. So w- what I'm doing this year um, with my time, the, the time that I get to be gone, is right after Mother's Day, I'm taking four weeks off and I'm actually going to work on trying to pull some of those devotionals together uh, for publication. And um, I'm going to be focusing on that for four weeks and trying to, trying to see if I can do that. I've already talked to a, a publisher and have started some of those steps, but I just need some focus time. So rather than traveling and speaking, I'm going to take four weeks altogether and uh, try to knock some of that out during that time. And, um, and, I again, I just appreciate so much the board allowing me to do that uh, and your faithfulness. And I know some people go, oh, I, you know, Pastor Steve, I don't want you to be gone. And I appreciate that. I really do. But you got to remember this. I'm here when you're not here, okay? <laughs> so, so you can be here when I'm not here. Amen. <laughs> And, uh, and, and the business goes on. Janet runs the church anyway. I just get to be on staff. And uh, so that'll, that'll go on as usual. Uh, Pastor Will is actually going to be doing a sermon series. Throw that up on the screen for me. He's going to be doing a sermon series called Masterpiece. And i mean be talking about how you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Uh, I've already looked at his notes on that. It's going to be a fantastic sermon. He's an excellent communicator. So you won't miss a beat. You will hardly even know that I'm gone and uh, that I'm going to be taking off right after Mother's Day for uh, about four weeks. I'll be back on Father's 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 Day to begin again. I would really appreciate your prayers. Um, I've been, I love to write, and I've been doing this for a while now, uh, but I've never actually tried to publish before. And so this is kind of some new territory for me. And I've really been praying about, you know, God, what, what would you want? How would you want this to be packaged? How can I do this? This is not about making money or any of that kind of stuff. It's, it's really about trying to put some things on that can be kept uh, so that it can be passed on. And uh, so I just really appreciate your prayer support uh, as I do that. Amen? Amen. Amen, okay, very good, make sure you're still with me all right um i want to we're going to continue on in our sermon series um, last week, we kicked off a series called Dead Man. Talking. Uh, and the series is revolves around the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a, a very good friend of Jesus, uh, who Jesus actually, after he died, uh, after Lazarus had died, Jesus raised him from the dead. And um, we last week we began this series actually looking at that whole event of Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb. And we're going to continue. And we're doing something in this series. If it feels kind of funky, it's because it is. Um, We're actually going backwards through this story. So we actually started with the resurrection. And today, I want to pick up a part of the passage of scripture that happened right before Jesus um, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And this was when Jesus was encountering Mary and Martha and trying to give encouragement to the sisters. Let's throw that passage up on the screen for me. Then when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. What's those next two words? Jesus wept. Now, if you're one of those who keep your notes and save those, circle those two words on on your scripture, on your outline, and just kind of hold that thought. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But then some of them said, "Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying?" It was uh, it was several years ago when I when I was reading this story uh, in my own quiet time that a thought hit me that I had never thought before. God feels. God feels. You know, when I I read this, uh, I realized, here's Jesus, um, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus were three of his closest friends. Um, Jesus um, knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew where Lazarus was. He knew all those things. But when Jesus was there with their close friends and they were going through this very difficult time, God's heart broke for those that he was coming alongside of, and he cried, just like they cried. And I remember reading that and sitting back, and it, it kind of shook my world a little bit in, in my thoughts of God. Because, you know, sometimes when we think about God, and we think about, you know, we pray and all of those things, it's it's like we, we talk to God as if He's some entity out there. Uh, but He's more than an entity who is out there. He's a God who really gets you. He gets you. He under. Stands you. In fact, he understands us better than anyone else. Does that make sense to you? Now, I, I want to talk about that. Um, you say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, how, how are you, why can you be so sure that, that God really gets us? Well, for, for several reasons. One, God made you. He's, he's the one who made you. In fact, throw that, throw that passage up on the screen for me, would you please? In Genesis 127, it says, read it with me. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Uh, When God made you, he made you like him. And so if there's anyone in the universe that really understands you or how you're wired, it's God. When I was writing this this week, I thought about it. How many of you would regard yourself as being a little bit strange? Yeah, how many of you are sitting next to someone who's really weird? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. well, one of the things I thought about is that, do you do understand that there's nobody who understands your uniqueness like God does? I know for some of us, man, there are times that, you know, we look around and we think, man, nobody nobody really gets me, but God does. He's the one who made you. There is a piece of him who lives in you. He gets you because he made you. Oh, I love this. God gets you because he knows you. God gets you because he knows you. This was really funny. Um, Several years ago when we were living in Phoenix where I was pastoring, my... uh, my wife and I went to a Boston Market one, uh, one day after church. Anybody ever been to Boston Market? You get to, Okay, I don't know if you've had those here. Um, Boston Market, you go in, you know, and they've got, uh, you order your entree and stuff, and then you decide, well, Wanda goes up to the counter, and we had some friends with us, and um, we're, we walk up to the counter, and Wanda orders her entree, and the guy looks at her and says, well, you get two sides with that. Now, I eat anything. I really do. I, I, there's not a food that I don't eat. I, eat. I eat anything. Wanda, however, has a very narrow slice of things that she really likes. Now, this counter, if you've ever been in Boston Market, this counter is like 30 feet long. And Wanda has to look at everything on the menu and look at every before she makes her choice, even though there's only probably four things that she actually likes. So she starts walking down the counter, you know, and she's looking, and she's walking down, and she's looking at every item. By now, the line is out the door, you know, people waiting, and and Wanda's looking at each and every one, and I'm standing here at the the counter, and I look at this young man, and I said, she has to look at everything, but she'll take the macaroni and cheese and the mashed potatoes and gravy. And Wanda goes all the way down, looking at these 30-odd items, and she gets done looking, and she walks all the way back, and she looks at the guy and says, I'll take the macaroni and cheese and the mashed potatoes and gravy. (laughs) And this young kid just starts laughing. He starts laughing, and she looks at me, and he looks at me, and I said, Dude, that's what 30 years of marriage will get you, right there, you know? I know a lot about her. I can tell you what her favorite color is, I can tell you what kind of shows that she likes. I can tell you in a lot of given situations, probably what's going through her mind as she's observing those things. But but I need to say this to you. I don't know everything about her. And after 42 years of marriage now, she still throws curveballs my way from time to time. But there is someone who does know her completely. And that's God. Throw that up on the screen for me. Psalm 139, 1 and 2, read this out loud. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows everything there is. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself. That's how well he knows you. That's why he gets you. God gets you because he became like you. He became like you. And the word became flesh and lived among us. This is, this is an interesting story. Throw that picture on the screen for me. That's um, a gal by the name of Jane Byrne. Jane uh, was the mayor uh, of Chicago for four years back. And I think she was elected 1979, I believe, 79 to 83 during that era. Um, She was the mayor of Chicago, and uh, she was mayor during a time when uh, Chicago was really, really battling uh, crime. And uh, there was a lot of uproar in the city about the city not being safe, and there was uh, all kinds of stuff that was going on. And Mayor Byrne wanted to try to help alleviate some of those fears and uh, at least try to, you know, help the people get that she understands the the struggles that she's going through. So she decided to do something that was really kind of wild. She and her husband decided to move into the projects where all the crime was taking place. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Um, That's uh, Cambrini Green, it was uh, one of the projects where a lot of the, the crime has, had taken place right there in that area. Uh, in fact, in the first two months in that project alone, uh, of the first two months of the year, there had been 11 shootings and five people killed. And so she and her husband moved in into an apartment in that project right there. Throw that next picture up. That's her and her husband uh, actually sitting at the table getting ready to have dinner uh, in the project. But here's the deal. Here, here's what's kind of interesting about how she did that. Before she and her husband moved in, a whole brigade of police officers went through the project, that went through Gab- Gabrini Green, and they, they arrested and removed all kinds of the gang people who were there. Uh, They wanted to get rid of anybody dangerous in the building so that she wouldn't be in any danger. They also posted about three or four armed officers who were with her there at all times. And they also had uh, personal bodyguards that were stationed inside the apartment to live there with her. And she only lived there for three weeks. Now, you know, that might be a kind gesture, But can we just agree, she was not living in the same world that the people who live in those projects live in. You know, they don't have armed guards there. They don't have police officers protecting them. They they don't have all of those kinds of things. She she did it for three weeks. And again, it might be a nice gesture and her intentions, may have been really good, but that's not quite really getting where people live. God did not do that. When God came from heaven to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, he was born, raised, and lived among us his entire life. He experienced the same things that we experience. He went through a lot of the same things that we go through. He dealt with a lot of the same kinds of problems and issues that you and I deal with. He, he experienced all of these things just like us. When we say he became one of us, he became one of us. Amen? Let me give you one more. God gets you because he loves you. God gets you because he loves you. Great story. A few years ago in Chesapeake, Virginia, there's a a church called Aldersgate Methodist Church, and it's that's it. Kind of an old uh, style church that was built um, in like a uh, in like a square with a courtyard in the middle of it of the of the church structure, and uh, so you, you it had this open grassy area courtyard and then surrounded on all four sides by by the building that surrounded. Years uh, back, there was a, um, uh, a a female mallard that actually laid eggs in the courtyard. Uh, there was a pond right outside the church. And that was kind of where the the mallard lived, but she flew into the courtyard in this grassy area because it was protected shelter to to lay eggs. And she had 13 little ducklings that, that that were born out of this brood. Problem was, as the ducklings hatched and began to get old enough where they needed to get to the water and get, they couldn't fly. And so the mother was flying out of the courtyard, but obviously the little ducklings couldn't fly, so they had no way to get out. And so, everybody was kind of concerned, you know, what's, what's going to happen? This was so cool. So, the pastor, Robert Cofield, had this idea. So, one Sunday, he comes to church, and he opens the door to the courtyard, and he opens the door uh, directly across from that that goes to the outside, and he went into the courtyard where these little ducklings were, and he starts Quacking. I never took fluent duck when I was in college, but somehow he, he, started, he starts quacking and these little ducklings started paying attention to him. And as they quack, they started gathering to him. And so he walks out, out of the courtyard and these little ducklings follow him. And they follow him out of, the, out of the courtyard, through the hallway, out the doors, all the way to the pond where the mother was And when the mother saw him walking, when when the ducklings got to the pond, she starts quacking louder than Pastor Robert did and and the ducklings started swimming out toward where mom was. It was just a cool, cool story. I wish I would have had a video of that. That would have been beautiful. But everybody was talking about, what an amazing day. when I heard that story, I thought, you know what? That's that's exactly what God did for us. We had no way to get to God. So God... So loved us that he came to us. You, Pastor Steve, how can you really be sure that God gets me? You can be sure because he loves you more than anyone else in this entire universe. He chose to be like you. Now, I want to I walk you in these in these next few moments. I, I just want to kind of unpack this so that you can apply this to your own understanding and say, well, Pastor Steve, what, what do you mean when you say God gets me? What all does he understand about me? Well, a lot of things, but let me just give you a few. You ready? Here's one of them I thought of, and I almost wasn't going to share this, and I thought, oh, i got to tell you this. God uh, gets, he, he knows the joy of creating and completing. He knows the joy of creating and completing. This, this is so good. Um, my uh, oldest son, Ben, and uh, his wife, Uh, Stole our grandkids from us last August and moved to Baltimore, for which we have cut him out of the will. Um, But, you know, and and we love our grandkids so much. One one of the nice things about living in the time we live in is we have FaceTime now. And um, uh, our little grandson, Maddox, will call us on FaceTime. And uh, it's so fun. He usually talks to Wanda because they're best buds and they'll go on and on. Well, two weeks ago, he called... And Wanda, he wanted to talk about his Duplos, and Wanda handed me the phone, and Maddox shows me this whole array of Duplo Legos, and he had made all of these different kinds of airplanes with them. And he was showing them to me, and he said, Grandpa, Papa, look at this, Papa, look at this, Papa, and he was showing me all of them, and he goes, which one do you like best? And I said, well, I think I like that red and white one. He goes, well, I think I like this green one, and we were, we were going on and on. He was so, and what, why does my eight-year-old grandson, why does he want to show me this? Because he knows I'll celebrate it with him. You see, there's something in our human nature that wants us to not only create something. There's something about the fact that we want someone to enjoy that with us. You know, this is really true. I mean, and you never get over that. I have, I have a, a several pastor friends, but I've got a few that are really close friends. And it's, it's so funny. Every once in a while, one of them will call me and I'll say, hey, man, what's up? And he'll go, I just got to brag to you for a second. And they'll tell me about how they preached this sermon and how they knocked it out of the park. Or they'll tell me about something that they did at their church and, and how, you know, how well it went. Or they'll talk about something that they were trying. And, and, and it's about the fact that who do, you, who do you go to? You see, sometimes when we talk about this stuff, we think, it's, we, we think that's bragging. But there's something about the way that we're wired that just wants someone else to enjoy the, 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 the great joy that we get out of creating something. Does this make sense to you? you know, And God understands this this hit me this week and i just i started laughing think about this with you throw that passage up on the screen look at this for a second and read this with me out loud then god looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was he saw that it was what okay now who recorded that i mean this is at the beginning of time on earth and god did this who who wrote that down Well, there was nobody there. So what we understand by tradition is that these events, God shared with Moses who wrote them down. That's what our our oral tradition tells us, that God... Can you imagine God's conversation with Moses when he's telling him this? He's sitting down, Moses is taking notes, and God's going, Okay, back at the beginning, on the first day, I did this. On the second day, I did this. And man, on that third day, I was making them out. And, And Mo. It was really good, man. <laughs> it was really good. Can you imagine God trying to describe the Rockies to Moses and describing all of these things? There was a joy in God's heart out of what he made. Now, this is so important because when you do something and you're trying to think, who gets this? Who can I share this with? Look at me. God gets that. That piece of his creativity lives in you. He understands how good that feels. The, the same same thing is true when we talk about completing things how many of you your, your greatest joy is at the end of the day when you saw how many things you got done come on how many task oriented people we got here yeah yeah and your day is ruined if you didn't get them done I mean that's that, you see again there's something about that human nature that when we when we complete something it's it's like today anybody running a marathon today nobody ran in a marathon today you all are all slackers like me. Hey, yeah, yeah, high fives. Yeah, yeah. We cheer them on. Well, you know, people who run a marathon, that's you know, that's really a big deal and there's this great sense of accomplishment when when you finish, when you train, when you finish, when you do something like that. You do understand, God gets that too. I I, I love this this piece that I think we sometimes we sometimes miss when Jesus was on the cross. Throw that up on the screen. In John 19, when Jesus had tasted this Vinegar wine that they had given to him. He said what? It's finished. It's finished. And then he bowed, up his head, bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You see, if you follow the Gospels, you find all the way through, Jesus was about accomplishing the work of the Father. And he continued to do that time and time again. And he, he went all the way up through completing what God. And when he finally got, can you imagine the sense of the joy that Christ had when he went, I did it. I stayed true. to. I did all the way through. I did it it's finished look at me just want you to hear my heart when when you have that sense of joy that something that you've really accomplished something I want you to understand God gets it he's like a doting grandfather who loves to hear you talk about the things that you've done because he too is really proud of you he gets that God understands believe it or not when you're tempted God understands when you're tempted mom church Sunday morning great place to confess how many of you be honest enough to admit that you're tempted from time to time yeah everybody but the liars yeah, yeah we, have, we it's part of our human nature you know and and yet sometimes can we be honest sometimes when we're struggling with temptation it feels very it feels very shameful like I shouldn't I shouldn't be tempted by this but that's a part of living in this fallen world uh, I remember one of the one of the uh, most helpful things for me as a young man when I was uh, growing up in the church, um, we had a, a, a couple of uh, men that worked with our youth program uh, at, at the church I attended, and, and I can remember a couple of different men-only sessions that we had with those guys where these men who were uh, very uh, honored businessmen in our community that were well thought of, they were saints in the church. These men just kind of shared their hearts with us young guys about the struggles that they had faced as young men and i i can 't begin to tell you how healing it was for me to hear that these guys that I admired so much man had wrestled with some of the same stuff that I was wrestling with and and it was just it, it made me feel like i 'm not crazy i 'm not evil i'm not i 'm not a bad person i 'm just dealing with stuff that every guy deals with does this does this make sense and I, and I think sometimes when We have this things that we're wrestling with and we want to talk to God. There's this, come on, it's just sometimes the things that we most need to talk about to God, we don't talk to God about. Because we feel that shame, like I shouldn't be struggling with this. But you do understand that Jesus was tempted just like you are tempted. In fact, I, I love the passage from Hebrews. Throw that up on the screen for me. Hebrews 4. Hebrews writer says, this priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing that we do, and yet he did not sin. Read it with me. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. You can come to Christ with your temptations. Why? Because he was tempted just like you. Let me give you another one. When I thought of this, I thought, oh, I am so thankful for this. God, (laughs) God understands the complexity of your relationships. God understands the complexity of your relationships. How many of you be honest enough to admit that one of your greatest challenges on being in this world is the people that you have to deal with? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy we have all these messed up people all around us? You know, they're everywhere. You know, they're everywhere. And, and sometimes when we, when we struggle with those things and we want to pray about those things, we want, you know, does God, does God get this? Does God understand my dysfunctional family? Does he understand what we have to wrestle with? And, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, you know what? He does. He does. In fact, throw that up on the screen for me. <clears throat> Mark 3, 21. Read this out loud. This is Jesus in the midst of his teaching and healing and all the stuff that he was doing read it with me. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, he said. He's out of his mind. I mean, sometimes we forget. Think about the fact that you're Jesus growing up in a family with other brothers and sisters. Can you imagine your brother giving you a hard time, and you you say to your other brother, you know I'm God, right? How many of you had an older brother like that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Can you you imagine when Jesus started doing this and what people were saying about him and his brothers and sisters are going, dude, we saw you at home. We watched you. You How hard that was from, he gets that. And here he is at the time when he's just really revealing the full extent of who he is. His family said, you're crazy. Now, trust me. There are some of us who understand that completely. Because there are some of us who, our greatest antagonists that we've had in our lives have been our own family. And Jesus gets that. How many of you have ever been frustrated with people before? This morning, <laughs> yeah. Do you think Jesus ever got frustrated? Go back and read the Gospels again, look at his encounters with his, with his disciples. You know, I mean, time and time again, he tries to show them who he is. And time and time again, they were, they were, you know, struggling to understand that. In fact, I love this. Throw that up, throw it up on the screen for me. <laughs> Look at, read this out loud from Luke 9. Oh, you stubborn, faithless people. Jesus said to his disciples, how long should I put up with you? Who'd he say that to? His disciples, the people who should have known him the best. You know, again, when, when you get frustrated, when you're dealing with these complex relationships, when you're dealing with all of this stuff, here's what I want you to understand. God gets it. He gets it. He really does. Let me give you one more. God knows of loss. And he knows of being deeply hurt. God knows of loss, and He knows of being deeply hurt. There's a, um, a couple uh, named Rick and Maureen Barker. Um, several years back, they, uh, they went through a really um, traumatizing experience. They had a, a five year old little boy who had had a long term illness. And this five-year-old child died. And I'm going to tell you uh, in all of my years as a pastor that there is is no pain on earth greater than the loss of a child. It's as bad as it gets. And they were really struggling. Um, Rick and Maureen, they were believers, um, but at the same time, they had this incredibly deep sorrow and about a thousand questions that every parent who would go through that would ask. Interestingly enough, um, their family had done a lot of. Um Of work on their genealogy and some of their roots and they had a friend of the family who had uh, done a lot of uh, capturing of those uh, of of journals from family, former family members. They had a lot of artifacts that had been handed to. They had about 140 years worth of very rich family history that they had uh, set aside and this family friend had come across a journal of Maureen's great-great grandfather that was really uh, apropos for the situation. And so she gave it to him. Maureen found out that her great-great-grandfather, who was a pastor, he was uh, Reverend Rudgers Van Butt. um, And he and his wife had three children who all died while they were very young. And in his journal, this pastor talked about just the horrible... Tragedy of that, and he talked about the pain that they felt he talked about the the tremendous sense of loss he talked about the the questions that erupt in your mind and why God you know he, he talked about all that stuff that that parents go through, but then he, he also talked about the hope that he found. And he talked about uh, the, the ability to finally be able to see his three kids in, in heaven. And he, he said, you know, I, I, I long for that day when I'll be reunited with my children. And, and he talked about how that hope became like an anchor that he was able to hold on to. So he had this full gamut of experience. And Maureen and Rick said, as they were reading that journal, he said it was for the first time they felt like somebody had just laid their hand on their heart and said, we understand. Now, it didn't make all of the bad stuff go away, but it was incredibly comforting. You see, one of the things that happens sometimes when when we go through deep pain and loss is we feel very alone. And and sometimes we feel like, you know what? I I don't know if anyone else has ever really felt like this. And here's what I want you to understand. God understands that. He went through... Same kinds of losses. He went through the same kind of pain. He went through the same kinds of deep sorrow that we go through. When you talk to him, he understands. In fact, I think one of the one of the greatest pictures of Christ is actually found in the book of Isaiah when the prophets were talking about this Messiah who was going to come and to be among us. And I want you to look at this description that he gives in Isaiah 53. Read it out loud with me. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Have you felt the seeing of betrayal? Jesus gets that. Have you been rejected by the very people you thought would open their arms to you? Jesus gets that. Have you been deeply hurt by friends that you were counting on? Jesus gets that. Have you suffered in your body that Jesus gets that? I don't know where you came from today. I don't know where you're at on your journey through faith. I don't know where you're at on your walk with God. But here's what I want you to understand with all of my heart today. God understands. Everything you need to bring to him today. He gets it. Amen. I want you to just bow your head, just close your eyes for a second and in a moment I just want to I just want to pray for us and before I do I just want to give you a moment to lean into the Lord on your own. And maybe a moment just to share with him some things that you're struggling with today that that you need to know that he understands that he gets that he sees things that you need him to heal things that you need him to touch things that you need him to help you with struggles that you're facing right now and this morning before we before I pray I just wonder if there might be some of you who say you know Pastor Steve I'm I really am going through some stuff, and I I really need to know that God gets me, and I need to know that he is with me. And if that fits for you, and you want me to just remember you as I'm praying this morning, wherever you are, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. You got it. Let me pray for you. Father, as we come today, um, words are inadequate to thank you. For the incredible miracle of the incarnation. That you would come to this world that was running hard the other way away from you. That you would become one of us. That you would experience all of these things that we would experience. That you would suffer all of these things that we would suffer. That you would struggle with all these things that we struggle with. But Father, it does make coming to you in prayer so much easier. Lord, when we're excited and we need someone to celebrate with, you get that. When we're tempted and, and, and we're feeling like we're, we're sliding away, you get that. When, when, we're, when we're struggling with relationships with people around us and our hearts are breaking, you, you get that. When we've been deeply hurt, betrayed, abandoned, rejected. When our bodies ache to the point that we want to die. You get that. Father, today you saw every hand that was raised, and you know what all of your children are going through. And my prayer today, Lord, is that you would lay your hand upon their shoulder and that this morning they would know that this God that they are turning to today not only has hearing ears and an open heart, you're a God who weeps with them when they weep. Thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you that you're the one who gets us. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.